0: what's up everybody coming to you straight out of the DBTA sound room we're bringing you another episode of the music podcast deluxe that's right muck and Dre are back baby and we're ready to blow your
1: mind in season two we're gonna keep doing what we do best and that's talking about concerts records experiences and everything in between make sure
0: you stay up to date by hitting subscribe because we're gonna have some kick-ass guests coming your way so stay a while. Make some time for music. So uh, so welcome, everyone.
1: I gotta tell you, it feels... It really does feel good to be here, recording, back at it. Season 2 of the Music Podcast Deluxe. We're here. It's been a busy summer. It has. We've been been—we've uh, been up to a ton of shit. Most importantly, uh, as always, music. Yeah, we went to a lot of shows. Rock Fest. Half Moon Run, Johnny was there. Mm-hmm. Anderson Pack, City in Color. Went to... We did our we did our rounds, picked up some new records, picked up that limited edition Madlib, uh, the Labyrinth soundtrack, David Bowie. You two, You picked up. What did you pick up?
0: Um, you I mean, most most recently, I got uh, Villains came in from uh, from my month and a half old pre order. So uh, that's most recently, that's been it. Uh, yeah. Funkadelic,
1: Maggot Brain. I, that one I've been over and over and over and over. It's been on my it's been on my table. Episode 2 is going to be a funk episode. Hell yeah, dude. We're going to do a little history. We're going to show the evolution. A little bit about the progression, where funk is now. Before we get to that, though. Yeah, what
0: about this episode? What are we doing this episode?
1: Before we get to that, we're we're, we're we're doing something a little different this episode. It's the first time we're trying this. We're bringing our guest into our topic. We're doing an on tap. So we each pick two albums from our collections. And we're going to talk about them. Mm-hmm. We got Johnny here, drummer, Seven Day Sons. Hello, hello. Is it your
2: first podcast? You ever been on a podcast before? No, this is the first one. I've done uh, a couple of radio interviews here and there, you know. Yeah? this is been be... in studio a few times, we but are... this is the first time I'm doing an actual podcast. So I just want to kind of establish the rules you guys have set here. Yeah, it's just going to be a discussion. You know, it, it's going to work great because, you know, we're already
1: friends and we know each other, so... We're basically just going to talk freeform about the albums, throw out a few facts, our opinions, give people something to think about.
0: And uh, you're not the first person we've had to uh, pop a cherry on on an episode, so don't worry about it. No. We're uh, we're pretty we're oh, yeah. pretty relaxed around here. Cool. Pretty much anything goes. We've been around yeah, I'm looking. The block. You have a nice choice.
2: You got Astroglide, KY. I think uh, it's going to be gentle. <laughs> what, what room are you in? <laughs> it's going to be gentle. Yeah.
1: Uh, we're sensitive. <laughs> we are. We're, 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 we're sensitive. We
2: care. Yeah. So, Johnny, what have you been up to this summer, man? This summer, uh, as you know, with the band, been super busy, just more behind-the-scenes stuff. In and out of studio, recording covers. uh, Also saw a lot of shows. Would have liked to see Heavy MPL, but that doesn't exist anymore. So we can probably (laughs) thank, uh, I guess, the South Shore yeah.
1: <laughs> that. But I think they're on the fence. They they talk about coming back next year. Really? I think so. Yeah. That last I heard it was they're taking a break. That's how they were spinning it. If it's mm-hmm. if there's any truth to that, we'll
2: see. And but then, and then they're gonna want to see other festivals. Yeah. And, but stay friends with <laughs> with Heavy MPL. Yeah. No, uh I don't know. I don't know if the budget's just there. I think uh Rockfest definitely stepped their game up to it was accommodate. fun. It was fun this year. This year was a yeah. good one. Yeah. It was also Probably the most violent crowd I've been in in a while. So, oh, you know were up front,
1: it. man. You spent the whole day standing in front of the fucking main stage waiting for Queens of the Stone Age, man. Oh yeah, that's the that's the hard
2: road. You know, <laughs> we we had VIP tickets <laughs> that we were fucking ranting about. For <laughs> <Yeah>. weeks. <laughs> so you, you were the people that we hated. Yeah, that's right. absolutely absolutely. No, that's we right. we learned uh, a pretty important, pretty significant trick at music festivals never be at the front facing the stage because you have up to 120,000 people pushing on you at any given time. Oof. So by hour 11... I've been, been there, I've been there, man. I've I been there. By hour 11, it's, it's it's the closest you'll come to hell. Uh, uh, day
1: after, y'all fucking sore. Sometimes even night of. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> but if you want to avoid that, if you're standing against the middle barricade, because yeah. they always have that path cleared... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're standing against the middle, you're maybe 20 feet from the stage, center stage, without all that force. I
1: did the same for at the drive-in. I waited till the crowd cleared the Jagger stage, and then I just went like right up front against the middle rail. I was maybe like four or five bodies from the front.
2: Yeah, that's what we did the second Perfect. day because the first day we were up front. Our it goal was horrible. we are not moving. Yeah, we just want to see Ramstein front row.
0: Yeah. How, so. was, how was that up front? Because, I mean, we felt the heat in the back. It was fucking hot back I would
2: love to know, because this is what happened. <laughs> oh, shit. So, we stayed all day, 11 hours. Everyone, front row for AFI, which was amazing to see. I'm really happy I finally got to oh, see there it. Were, that. There they, was, they were great. There was, yeah. Were there were some good acts in July. Uh Some great bands that day. And then during Offspring, all hell broke loose. <laughs> My girlfriend's 4'10". Yeah. 4'11 or 4'10", like somewhere there. So, there was really no chance of her, like, staying in that crowd. So, she got pushed out. My buddy and I, who have been through that before, we got overwhelmed, couldn't breathe, had to get out. It was, like, it was so unpleasant in that last half hour before
1: we I left, dude, uh, I, I, I've been there, man. It's just it's the the day kind of weighs on you too. You know, it's been hours. You're not eating much. You know, you're not drinking much. You don't want to get like out of the. You don't want to get out of your man. spot.
0: You don't want to lose anything. I mean, we did it for Eminem. It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Like, what's you know what's really interesting is uh, we've run into you now like five times this summer at shows, just completely randomly, yeah. and we just happen to see you in the crowd, and you we're just like, what the hell? Hey, Johnny, what's going on,
1: man? It, it seems to me like every time I see you. We're doing something music-related. Well, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a weird streak to have because I don't see why we would break it at this point. If I'm going to get together with you, we're going to listen to a record or we're going to do something like that. I, I, it's I imagine.
2: Completely true. It's, yeah. it's one of the only things that gets me out of the house. <laughs> um. <laughs> Whatever works, no. but you're right. What happens is we go somewhere, we're in a crowd. I spot the hat. I go, I know that. Hat. That's not like Andre's hat. Hey, there's Muck. That looks a lot like Andre. Oh, that must be Muck and Andre. So I fight my way through the crowd and I find you. Yeah, guys. It's, uh,
1: it's worked so far. No, no, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep on. Why, you know, don't don't. It'll keep happening. Yeah, don't fix if it ain't broke. All right, man. Let's just get down to it. On tap the first album's coming up. What is it? We're gonna do the heavy. And The Glorious Dead. We're going to go throw that on the turntable right now, and we'll be
0: right back. Fucked up by putting the vinyl on and then getting getting some Chinese food, because...
1: I'm full, but we're going to work through it. I feel a little lethargic. I'm
0: I'm heavy.
2: Yeah, I'm on the verge of death.
0: (laughs) But it was good, it was good. And uh, you know what? I think so was the album, and Johnny, I think you uh, you were introduced to some new music, so I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it was well, it was familiar. First time I hear the heavy, but definitely familiar. It's uh, the type of band that you hear a lot in uh, when a show is like cutting to commercial, or the last three minutes of like an hour long episode. Yeah, like I think this band you mentioned was from. Uh, they had a song in suits.
0: Yeah, so they, um, so the heavy in general has been featured on a bunch of stuff. They've been featured <laughs> on media uh, and video games, most commonly uh, Entourage community. Uh, they were in a couple games: the trailer for Sleeping Dogs, the trailer for Splinter Cell, and uh, two of the Borderlands games. So they've been they've done their, their tour. Yeah.
1: What yeah. year did the album come out?
0: So the one, the, the album I want to talk about, which is kind of it was a toss-up between uh, The House That Dirt Built or The Glorious Dead, and I kind of went for The Glorious Dead because it was the album that I kind of got into first. I it, it came to me first on Spotify one day, and I was like, oh, shit, this is amazing. So um, The Glorious Dead came out in 2012, and it's their third album, and it had about three singles on the radio. So uh, much like their other stuff, they all kind of split it, about three singles an album. Yeah, I, I, in, in my opinion, just generally... It sounds
1: like a more well-rounded album. The the, uh, the House That Dirt Built had some great songs, but just track to track, I think you made a good choice.
0: Yeah, and you know what's really cool is it's got that this kind of funk, soul, gospel vibe. And we talked a lot about the uh, the back vocals and how they a lot of their songs have um, some sort of orchestra, tubas, trumpets, or gospel type singing in the background. And I find it more prominent in this album and. Generally, both album sides appealed to me a little bit better. Like I had a lot more pleasure flipping the album side and listening through it on this album. They're crowd pleasers, man. You could, you
1: could, you throw the album on you could, you could, you can picture the crowd chanting. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it just gets everybody involved. It's very powerful lyrics. You know, whatever he's chanting is just you know it's it, it, it's it's super attractive.
2: Uh, I find it's the right amount of grit. Yeah, to it. It's like it helps people. You know, it feels kind of dirty, but it's still relatively safe in the sense of. Feels kind of positive, more upbeat, and... It feels Feels exciting. But you can still drink to it, right? Oh, Oh,
1: absolutely. absolutely.
2: That's it. It's still a dirty
1: bar, but yeah, it's a chanting crowd too, you know?
0: So we're lucky. Me and and Olga had a chance to see them at Cabaret Mile End when it was still around and before it was renamed. And it was such a small show, and you've been to that venue before. The fucking crowd was incredible. Much better compared to when we saw them at Oceaga. So it really has that, that smaller show vibe and really... You want to be up front. You want to be chanting with them. You want to partake in the music with them because they give that off. And the singer was fucking awesome. Really cool, dude.
1: Yeah. They're from the UK, I think, right? Yeah. You don't pick up the accent. So he's one of those singers where he, it, it's, a, it's a complete toss up.
0: What's really cool about The Glorious Dead is the second LP is a full instrumental side A and B of the, the first LP. You know,
1: it's, it's so funny you mentioned that because when I, in preparation for the podcast, I listened to the album a few times. And there's certain parts where you can totally hear an MC coming in. Like it kinda of missing a rap verse. I would have loved to, to hear that. So it's funny you say that there it comes with an instrumental second disc, which I didn't know. We should just freestyle over that, man. Why don't we do that? I think yeah. Not. yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that'll go great. <laughs> <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard us freestyle.
0: I've
2: no, no, I haven't. He's like, actually I feel like pretty I could take good. A leap of faith on this one. He's actually
1: pretty good. Look, really? I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm bad. He's actually pretty decent. Nice. Him hey, and my buddy Alex. My buddy Alex is better on paper, but he can actually freestyle off the top of his head. Interesting. It's I'm not, not, not it. bad. I'm not gonna do it right now. <laughs> you know
2: I'm gonna ask. <laughs> Maybe later.
1: <laughs> okay, but like just this season. I'll say to- that this season you will do it. Say oh. it on the episode one. Of season two. Say that this season you will freestyle. Come over, over the I don't heavy? want to put you on the spot today because we didn't talk about it. Over anything. the heavy. Yes. Okay, I'll do it. You know what? I think Led Zeppelin is the perfect segue after the heavy. You know why? The heavy's got that funk feel. I feel like Led Zeppelin had a track on Physical Graffiti. This is 19... 19- what are we dealing with here? This is their sixth album, 1975. Trampled on their foot. Was kind of seen as their response to the '70s funk movement in okay. the U.S. Okay, they wanted to have that funk track on. It was selling like crazy.
0: <laughs> People love the funk. Dude. It's an incredible track. Yeah, but uh, that that side, and we just listened to that side. Uh, is is a fantastic side as well. It's a it's an
1: incredible album. This was their sixth studio album. Can you imagine going into the studio after writing songs like "Stairway to Heaven" and now doing? A follow up, and not just a follow up. It was a two LP follow up. There is the fact that they used seven songs from previous albums that didn't make the cut. Okay, Houses of Holy was the album right before that. I think that was '73, and the title track actually didn't make that album and
0: is on Physical Graffiti. So they had a lot of content at least going into this. So they didn't have to. They didn't have to, you know, rewrite or build out. Well, they still twenty songs. They still wrote eight songs. Fair and fair. it's a
1: killer album, start to finish. Even the songs that they used from previous albums, they, they carry their weight. Mm-hmm. You got, and I mean, Cashmere was written for this for this one. That
2: ended that album side. That's yeah. why I say it's like the best album side of, of of the record. There's always that thing. Once you leave studio, you go in all like bright eyed and like bushy tailed, excited about you know optimistic about life, and you go through it and you see the best parts of yourself. You see the worst parts of yourself, and you're finally done. You have this project. You're going to share it with the world. And there's that scary thought where you go, I'm out of stuff. I can't, I don't, especially after Stairway to Heaven. I know that I'm done writing because I can't <laughs> do anything better. It's just so epic. That's it. So you leave there with that thought of what now I can't write. I, I, there's nothing else for me to write. This is the last thing I'll ever release. So to follow up a studio album and come in, with that fear and still put, like, pump out something like Cashmere. That's just the assertion that really shows them. It kind of explains why Led Zeppelin holds that place on the pedestal that they'll always have in rock because. Well, how do you compete with it? On every, you can't really. Well, let's on just every talk- album, they have that, at least that one monster track. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the creativity behind
1: Cashmere. We were saying how Bonham is playing in a 4-4. Typical drum pattern, typical rock drum pattern, and then you have page with the six eight over that. Yeah, and we're talking we were talking about how this it adds like a growing tension throughout the whole song. It, there's an anxious feeling towards it. It's just one example of how their creativity is in many ways
0: unmatched. You pick that up just listening to the song, whether you're whether you're a very skilled musician or whether it's your first time hearing the song.
2: No, absolutely. I think the difference is a musician or a skilled musician experience would be, they can kind of explain what's happening, Mm. but doesn't matter who you are, how many times you listen to the song, whatever the case may be. However, it communicates to you emotionally. It causes an emotional reaction in you and you feel physically, you kind of feel it. Like you Mm -hmm. mentioned, you feel that tension, the ability to connect with people on such a deep level where just the instrumental of that track can mean a million things to a million people for a million different reasons. Right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I,
2: I, I experience that all the time. And
1: what's what's cool about music and how how it how it touches you is that it, it's very fluid. You can I was always a Led Zeppelin four fan, for example. I loved it. Start to finish well, it's fantastic. It's epic fantastic album. It it, it, it it is very arguably their best. But just doing this podcast and listening to physical graffiti over and over, I, I I've switched over. I love really? this album. So you converted. I have fully. Mm. Fully. From start to finish, dude. Like every song has a different something to offer. And I, I know Paige, he uses a lot of different types of guitar sounds. From song to song, he does
2: he switches it up. Start to finish. But what I was gonna say is as you mentioned, there were, what, seven tracks off of this that were remnants of the last one? That's right, of, of the last few albums, not just the last album. Okay, so I think it'd be interesting with this run for them to go in saying, we decided collectively that these songs weren't good enough to be on our previous work, <laughs> but for some reason, maybe it's a contractual deadline. <laughs> I we saw- got to pump something out within a year mm-hmm. and a half. We're going to start there and write around it. I don't know. That's maybe that's why this album has like those major major points that I feel were the songs they wrote for it, like Cashmere. Yeah, but I feel like it would have been them kind of starting off on the wrong foot for an album. Okay, honestly.
1: fine. But I challenge you. Houses of Holy on that on that album, Fair. it's easily top three songs on the album, and it was the title track that they left off the last album, not because it wasn't good enough, but because it didn't fit. That's true. That's true. But the, the especially in 70s rock and roll albums, the album's vibe and tone mattered a lot.
2: That's a very good point. So
1: if it didn't match to hold it off to the next album, it's not really a cheat or a, a shortcut, really. Because, I mean, they did write eight songs. Some of their previous albums had eight songs total.
2: Mm. True.
1: So they did write fresh material and they added the rest. It was like, it, it actually holds the record it was the only it was the first album to go platinum on pre-orders. Oh shit. <laughs> they
2: gave the fans exactly what they wanted, man. This was a huge huge record. Okay. I, I- can see I can see the the respect built there. Yeah. It's interesting because I mean I would have loved to live in that time just to see oh, I, I feel like I I feel like I did dude. I feel at times I feel like I belonged man. in the 70s man. To see how it was received just cuz I know that um Led Zeppelin got trashed by critics. Got horrible a half. They had a hard time. Draft, they had a hard time getting shows review. at the beginning of their career too. Yeah. So it's interesting to see a band cuz that seems like a real in a sense kind of underground movement. They were changing the game. Like they were changing the game. Yeah, but no one noticed until the game was already changed. Yeah, I guess I so. Think, you know? like that Isn't it always kind of like that, though? Yeah, this, this is a very common thing to find the 10-year overnight success. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like that would be one It does, ha- yeah, it does everyone happen. Everyone just like shot on them until they basically... Sabbath
1: ran. 2, man. Sabbath 2. It oh, was sure. it was so different, dude, as music. Well, okay.
0: But if we want to talk different, I think we, could, we can really bring up a, some, some different music, right? Because we have marsh Volta.
2: Oh, you're segueing.
0: you're yeah, going. You're, going, going you're, you're, a, you're
2: very good point. Now I wonder why you might bring up Mars Volta. Is that one? Of your, that's one of your albums, right, Johnny? Deloused. It's that why right? it's why I'm here because it was hard to find because I don't like ordering albums online. I like the uh, the hunt, so I'll wait ten years to find an album. Oh, with you're, patient, tor- you're patient. You're patient. Yeah, I uh, I was in a record store, uh, Sonic Boom in Toronto. Personally, my favorite record store. It's not. That underground, small, gritty one. It's a very big commercial space, but they care about what they're doing. It's not... Uh, knowledgeable it's, staff? Absolutely.
1: That's worth so much, dude. Yeah,
2: it's, Yeah. They have, like, vinyl pressing in the back corner. It's it's cool. it's a it's my happy place. Wait, they press there? Yeah, well, there's a guy who, uh, if you bring, like, a demo or something, he'll cut it into a vinyl for oh, you. Oh, right. awesome. That's it's, really cool. It's really cool. And uh, I was paying for... I had found City of Evil from Avenged, mm-hmm. which was... I was waiting eight years to find it. And I finally found it. So I was already really happy. It does feel better to find it in store, man. When you're digging oh, yeah. and it surprises you. That's it. Yeah. I was so happy. And every time I would check for d Always, always, always Mars Volta. I need to see what they have. Yeah. Never found it. I'm paying. I'm on the phone. I look. And I see it way up on the top shelf on the wall of like a 30-foot wall. I just go, I'm going to call you back. <laughs> hey, man. Real quick. stop the transaction because I'm not done. <laughs> You I'm putting all that shit back. Yeah. <laughs> he got a ladder, he went, he brought it down. I felt like in jingle all the way when he finally gets that action figure like a kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I I, I could I could only imagine, man. It's okay, it's I'm not going to say how much. It's the most I've ever paid for an album, but I You didn't, went over your budget, but you you had to. I
1: If I saw it on the shelf, it would have taken a huge amount for me not to go for it. I didn't think twice. Yeah. I
2: would never think twice. Yeah. It was
1: no, you came over that time. We it spun it so together good. at my place, yeah, It man. was so good.
2: That was the first time I listened to it, too. I was waiting. I was yeah. saving it. No, but I... So happy to find it. So, while we bring up weird music, I have brought D-Laustin a Comatarium from the Mars Volta. We're going to take a listen. We're going to zone out of this planet for a little while. We're, we're going to come back with some information. We're going
1: galactical, dude. Oh, yeah. We're out there.
2: We won't be the same. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it.
1: What are we doing? Well, we
0: just listened to Mars
1: Volta. I know. I I'm, mean, I'm like I said, we've gone galactic.
0: Yeah, it happened. We are in is outer space. Out
1: of, are you sure? The red oh, there, there it is. is. There <laughs> it is. There it, right. is. there it goes. <laughs> We're good. The Mars Volta deloused in the comator- comatorium.
2: Deloused in the comatorium, I believe. Comatorium. Could be wrong. Probably wrong.
1: Yeah. usually Mar- Comatorium. 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 Yeah. God damn it. Mars Volta.
2: <laughs> deloused in the comatorium. Oh,
0: fucking hell. Deloused, I didn't the fucking word. Mars deloused
2: vo- in. Volta Mars. <laughs> Mars Volta. Deloused in the comatorium. There we go. We made it. 2003. 2003, which is a badass year for music. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, Googling the. Uh, I just Googled. 2003 album releases. Okay. It shares a stage with 50 Cent Get Rich or Die Trying. Huge the record. Jay-Z The Black Album. AFI Sing the Sorrow. Linkin Park Meteora. Muse Absolution. Huge record. A Perfect Circle 13th Step. Black Eyed Peas Ella Funk. That's an especially important one. You, you just remember that. Audience, just remember
1: Black Eyed Peas Elefunk. <laughs> okay,
0: but so if, there's, Spoilers. Spoilers. if there were so many albums, uh, so many top albums, why this one? Because this is
2: one of the only albums... Okay, I've been... I have identified as a musician, not just someone who plays music. I've called myself a musician for 16 years now, and this is the first album that validated that. That really made me kind of think back at Oh yeah, this is why I'm a musician. To be able to one day walk into a studio and try to make something half as good. It's just... It's an epic, epic album. It's an experience. It it, really is.
1: We were talking about this while we were listening to the record where we were saying how it is underappreciated. It's just a beautiful work of
2: art. Well, maybe not, not. I don't think it's underappreciated. I think it's one of those albums, like we mentioned... For the average radio listener, they will never hear of the Mars Volta. They'll never hear this album. That's right. But it has so much to offer to everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's the kind of album where you can throw it on
1: time after time and just experience something new from it. You know, notice, hey, look at that drum pattern right there, right before the chorus. Or, uh, man, that guitar solo flows so evenly right into the the verse out of the chorus. You know, that just...
2: The little nuances that you can pick up time after time, it, just, it feels like they're infinite. I think it's their ability to control chaos. Some songs like Roulette Dares will be so out there yeah. and it seems so chaotic and so hectic. Like no one knows what's going on and then they'll just stop on a dime. No, it, it, Everyone knows where to be. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, re- it's
1: ridiculous to the point where you could be listening to the record and you're like, there's no way he can duplicate this live. It sounds basically free form. There's all these weird notes he's hitting, especially the guitarist Omar. You feel like there's no way he can do it. He, boom, you're you're there live. He's fucking doing it, note for note. The punches are the same. They're not un- fucking tight. Not just that,
2: they somehow extend the yes. songs and add yes. three minutes of that. Well, like
0: a, like a small jam, right? They just go and have a jam on stage. Like why not? Yeah. But the thing is, their their
2: jam is like what seven people on stage at yeah. the same time doing. Basically, the exit exam at Berkeley School of Music. It's j- all at the same time. You're totally yeah. right. It's like a jazz. Incredible. It's
1: a jazz. It's like a Latin jazz fusion it's, experience. You know why like they really they yeah. they take that angle. You know? It's
2: one of the better examples I've seen of uh, technical ability matched with listening to what you're playing and listening to what everyone else is playing and mm-hmm. finding your pocket and just knowing where to be. It's I'm very rarely have I seen. A band work together the way they do. What's interesting, I find, is... uh, First of all, just drum-wise, because I'm always going to look at it from a drummer's perspective, it's incredible just what they do. And just to think, the level of talent this group has to offer. When John Theodore, who was the drummer on this album, when he left, he was replaced by Thomas Pridgen. Thomas Pridgen got into Berkeley at 15 years old, the youngest in history. Crazy. All he does is smoke weed and play drums. Yeah. He's ripped, and I don't think he's ever picked up a weight. He's such a monster behind the kit. I love drummers like that, man. It's incredible. You're getting the best in the world. You're getting It's an all-star, an all-star man, yeah. yeah. And he was later, uh, his place was later taken by Dave Lich, who is probably one of the busiest uh, session or touring drummers alive right now. He's been on almost everything. You have to be a pro if you're going to sit with Mars Volta. You know, most albums will have maybe one, yeah. maybe two real moments yeah. that make you remember it and go, oh shit, okay, this is an album I can always listen to. This one has more than I can count. Like Every time I listen to it, I pick up something new. Totally. For, for, it's I, unbelievable. On my end, too, the highlight would be
1: John Theodore. And I mean, yeah. that, that 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 is he plays on two albums that we're talking about today. Very true. We go into villains. Brand new Queens of the
2: Stone Age. Muck is bringing this one to the table. Real quick, before we get into it. The reason John Theodore is in Queens of the Stone Age is because when uh, Joey Castillo was leaving Queens of the Stone Age, Dave Grohl, who's very close to Josh Homme, said, Oh, you gotta get John Theodore. And this is Dave Grohl. Wow, what a recommendation. Dave Grohl is saying, you need to get this drummer. He's the best rock drummer in the world. Wow. And then... He said, That's okay, a, I'll keep that in mind. And then Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for Foo Fighters, right. he called and said, Oh, you're looking for a drummer? Get John Theodore. They didn't speak, him and Dave. They oh, no shit. They just He said, is that reputable. Well,
0: why, why wouldn't he recommend himself at that point? You know, you're Taylor Hawkins, why would you be like, Why don't you get him? He me already has a band. I know, but. I <laughs> <hope> <laughs> <at> least, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Dave like, Grohl already had a band.
1: He recorded, Dave Grohl's yeah. got those yeah. guys on contract, bro. Those <laughs> guys can't move right now. And, <laughs> <laughs> they can't no they can't they're a uh, long their time friends dude so fucking I can't wait dude it the single so there that weird. they released uh, Run did you did hear you the words after that no I haven't heard nothing I, oh. I'm making myself wait until okay, the album I was going to show
2: you something. No, no, no 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 no. I'm going to wait till the whole album so yeah. I don't want to get so you got these two drummers legendary rock drummers yeah. calling him going don't even try calling anyone else you have to, to take Don them Theodore. you have to take them and it's because of albums wow I almost had a stroke. <laughs> it's because of albums like "The Last in the Comatorium." Yeah, from the Mars Volta. If you care at all about music, listen to that album for your own good. What an endorsement, dude!
1: Yeah, they're not uh, paying him either, not at all. I <laughs> no, I, I don't know why. Are
2: you I, I just want. I would like them to just. You know, just, just mention me on your next your, your next project. Just okay. like, right?
1: Hey, thanks, thanks for go, going on the music podcast deluxe and
2: talking to so exactly. They'll be like, we were gonna quit music yeah. and now we're back because of this.
0: <laughs>
2: that brings us to your album, Villains. I didn't villains. want to
0: talk about Villains. You know, I, re- I had a really hard time um, before going into this, primarily because it's so new, and uh, secondly because I really wanted to wing this one. Okay, and, hold
1: on, hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: You're you're switching albums? Is that what you're saying? What are you talking about? Or did you say you don't want to do villains? No, well, I mean, we had the discussion before. I, I almost wanted to do them, crooked vultures. Unfortunately, I felt like the fact that me winging this this little portion of villains kind of reflected the way that they handled all the pre order jazz. So weren't very organized. No. So when when I first got really excited about the album, I heard the new song. I was really fucking hyped up to hear what what was coming from Queens of Stone Age. Really excited to hear their new album. Saw the pre-orders come up, and um, I think I had like three different options of places to buy from. The, uh, the U.S. label, so Matador U.S., Matador U.K., and then from the Queens of Stone Age merch shop. After about an hour and a half of trying to figure out how the fuck to order this album, I ended up accidentally ordering it from the merch shop. And I ended up paying about $40 extra when you count the duties and the uh, hefty, man. and the shipping. So That's I was, I was that, pissed off.
2: Like I mentioned, that always comes from... Uh, you have to look at where they're shipping from. Because the second you go international, yeah, second you go overseas, you you fall into a different bracket. It's the minimum. You're going to get extra charges. The
0: thing so, is, hopefully. I probably would have been better off going overseas because I wouldn't have had to pay the duties from the States. Which is an uh, extra 15 bucks on top of... Like the 80. You know so, what it
1: is? I don't think the cost would have mattered to you so much if you had gotten the fucking album on time.
0: Yeah, I got it like a week and a half late.
1: Okay, look, we're bitching about distribution, but you have to admit the advertising behind this album is like... The marketing behind I, I haven't album. seen this in a long time. I, I can't remember an album being promoted this way. They just Even just the artwork and everything is so...
2: It's so vibrant, you can't forget it once you see it. You'll never forget that album cover. It's funny you mention that, because a good friend of mine, we've been sitting, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for this album. Yeah. And uh, we we said that exact same thing. We said, dude, the marketing behind this album is... It's like nothing I've seen. I haven't seen anything build that much. It was mystery, but not in an annoying way. Not in that Marilyn Manson, maybe you'll get an album this year, until you don't. It yeah. was... There was nothing, and it seemed like... Okay, I guess they're being quiet, and then... Boom. One of the best planned releases I've seen in a very long time. Oh, yeah.
0: And all the content that they were releasing was so mysterious that you're like, you're trying to listen to snippets of stuff that they're posting to try to see if it's a song or maybe a song backwards or what's hidden behind the static. So I gotta give them credit. I'll give them credit for that, and also I think it was a good move. I feel like what they're trying
1: to do is... Mark put put a real face on Queens of the Stone Age, and they're kind of bringing Josh Homme up on a pedestal as like the rock star of the band, and it, th- his personality is coming through on this record more than ever. I feel like you know what?
2: Incer- interestingly enough, I find on especially on like the art releases and a lot of the short videos. I kind of found the opposite in the sense of they're really shining a light on the rest of the band. Like the band's there individually has their characters. They really showed a lot of uh John Theodore, they showed a lot of uh Troy Van Luen. Mm-hmm. Like they really they really M- showed him, but I think it's that this album is such a personal one for Josh Homme. I mean so was Like Clockwork. Very like very deep for him, but this one he even admitted to taking chances on. It was one where like it's it's funny actually. There's a story where uh, you know Mark Ronson yep. produced it. Dave Grohl just to show the state that Josh Homme got in in studio. Like you can get especially if you're an artistic person, you could get to that dark place, and it seems like nobody's your friend, especially if you're as vulnerable as you'll be trying to get something that's not coming together. Sure. So he was having one of those where it was rough. Dave Grohl shows up at Pink Duck Studios he's drunk, and he's having fun, and Dave Grohl's a friendly guy. Yeah. So he comes in, hey, whatever. And Mark Ronson sees him, knows that Josh is in the the booth. Yeah. Kicks Dave Grohl out. I goes, heard about this. Not now. You gotta leave. Sorry. But it's Dave Grohl. It's stories like that. I, maybe I'm biased just because
1: of my Facebook feed, but I heard a lot of Josh Homme stories as the album was coming out, and yeah. shortly after it came out, there was a lot of articles written on him, what he thought about this, or what he said about that, or there was a video of him... As like a, a teaser for the album or, or or their music video rather, so there there was that part plus just the beautiful artwork and how they like how they released the album and the fact that they went with Mark Ronson for production. I think he did a good job on the album. Interesting choice. Yeah, it's an interesting choice, but on a on on a business side, on a marketing side. Having Mark Ronson as the producer just gets them
2: mentioned in much more mainstream media. Well, you know how they got him. Uh, Josh Homme co-produced Lady Gaga's last album. With That's him. what I
1: heard. Joanne.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which really surprised me because you don't me expect too. that from Josh Homme. I didn't mm. like the album that much either. That's No. It had... You know what? I'll, I It hurts me to mention, but fuck it. There's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. You like it or you don't. <laughs> I Shazammed two songs that happened to be off that album. Okay, shit. okay. Every time I saw them, I went,
0: ah, oh, fuck. It's one of those <laughs> things I <that's laughs> got And you're like, I should have known this before I even yeah, fucking Shazammed like, it, you know? You play with fire. Yeah. Look, all, now you're this guy. Yeah. All, all things aside, Villains is fucking solid. It I really is. I wouldn't call it my favorite, uh-huh. I don't think I can uh-huh. call it my favorite.
2: Okay, maybe not favorite, but between like with this and like Clockwork, I can very comfortably say this is the strongest version of Queens of the Stone Age we've ever watched. I, I, uh, you don't know, find there's not that angst, but they're just
0: they really found well, it. I, I
1: understand. understand. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead. Well, let, let, me, ahead. let me.
0: I come from love love, the love, loving "Lullabies love, 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 to Paralyze," right? Yep. That that is my f- one of my top albums. Short of songs for the deaf, songs for the deaf. I'm gonna put it up top. You're not gonna to touch it. Don't don't even argue with me. No. It's up there. I'm gonna. I bought a bootleg because I needed it in my collection. Just I'm not even getting into the debate. You gotta stop. a kidney to get an original. Phone. That's it. I can't compare villains to songs for the deaf. I can put them in terms of work up close, but not. It, I can't say it tops some of the other stuff because I like their original style. I like the messiness. I don't like the pop mainstream, but I still like the album. If that yeah. makes sense. No, I
1: understand no, no, no. why they did it, and I think it's a great record, but it's not. Yeah, it can't be my favorite. It can't. I'm so biased in this way. Me even saying that means very little <laughs> about the album. You know what I mean? It's true. Because I hold Songs for the Deaf on such a pedestal. I would say, comfortably, it's one of my top ten albums ever by anybody.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... So, well, I mean, you can't... For that list, you have to have an album that really just... Goes past just being a good album. It has to bring something out of you. It has to show you inside exactly. of yourself. Exactly. Bring out either if it's the angst. Yeah. Has to get you to say you know fuck this. I want to smash something. If an album can do that, if it could move you and change your mood, it has something special. If it mm-hmm. could calm you down, same thing. Make you cry. Make
0: you laugh. Whatever the case. That's, that's it. Well, look. The first it's one of those. The first forty-five seconds of Songs for the Deaf. After the first forty-five seconds go by. You are oh yeah. You are at hundred and fifty percent. You should be doing a line of cocaine. <laughs> That's the vibe that that song 100%. sets you up for throughout the album.
2: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, totally good. Talking about villains, I would just you know we gotta talk about yeah, I have to. Songs I have to. They're just, they're so good. That, like yeah. it has it goes around the map. But villains, I can say I had high expectations, high hopes. I feel like personally it met up to every one of those. I uh, I noticed a lot of heavy, I want to say Bowie influence, especially with a song like Unreborn Again. That's, Bowie influence. That oh, is I a can, Bowie, I Bowie didn't, song. I didn't think Ooh. of it, but now that you mentioned it, I again, can totally see Unreborn it. Unreborn Again comes right off Ziggy Stardust in the best way I, I can possible. see that. I Okay. What I point. think that comes from is before this album, they worked with uh, Iggy Pop, right. post-pop depression. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Iggy Pop was a Bowie prodigy. Mm-hmm. Bowie built Iggy Pop. That thought process, that influence, had to transcend... Actually, now that, you, now that you mentioned there's
1: there's the eagles of the, the death metal. Yeah, the whole That, that dancey rock, that yeah, absolutely. vibe. There you go.
2: But I feel like I hear a lot of Bowie in this album. They're experimenting with stuff. They bring in a saxophone at the end of Unreborn again. And, and like this, He's going low, which he normally didn't. Usually, when Queens of Stone Age would go low, they'd have Mark Lanigan singing those parts. Yep, mm-hmm. But Hami really... Embrace that weirdness. They,
1: they they really went different all, all around. Like we already mentioned, Mark Ronson, they out of left field producer. Like yeah. <laughs> you never expect that to happen. But the works. songs have been changed up. It's it's very up tempo for a Queens of the Stone Age record. I feel like you're you are uh, you talking about uh, Josh Homme that it, this was a very personal album. I don't think just just functionally, I don't think I've ever heard his lyrics this clear. That's on true. a record you can actually hear almost every
2: word it, his his message gets across mm. e- effectively well yeah well look that's a perfect example of that a song like fortress everyone is yeah. kind of freaking out over the fact that it's such a deep and meaningful powerful lyric song but Where, that's just typical of homie look at a song like uh i never came i'm blanking now but they've had so like many- clockwork
1: had a lot of deep
2: lyrics
0: Absolutely. No, he
1: started writing the album
2: from a hospital bed.
1: There you go. Like, a lot of
0: a lot of what he's written in the past has really, if you dissect it down to what he's actually saying, it's fucking dark. Like, oh yeah, a lot of people don't realize it, and they think that like no one knows or something. Is this pop hit on the radio and it's fantastic? But dissect the lyrics a little bit. Yeah. there's a lot of dirty album. sex. There's a lot yeah. of fucked up sexual <laughs> yeah. activity. But what I love about Hami's approach is that
2: it's. Really, it can get really dark, but he still makes it, like, whimsical. Like, he has fun with it. Like uh, I, I, I call it a shtick. You yeah, know, like, it's the homie shtick. A lyric I love in, uh... There's two lyrics that I love in this album that really jumped out right away. The first one is in Feet uh, Don't Fail Me Now. The mm-hmm. opening track, where he says, uh... Life is hard, that's why no one survives. I'm much older than I thought I'd be. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like, so cool. having fun with your own mortality, saying, like, I shouldn't be here, yeah. But yeah somehow have done am. some fucked up shit. I keep shit. going, so might as well continue. Yeah. Like, fuck it, we're all on autopilot anyway. It's a YOLO statement. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and in Unreborn Again, just the whole, it, it's a direct kind of satire to everyone trying to stay young, everyone trying to latch onto their youth, and the fear of growing old, and how now, you know, the, end, the song ends with everyone's drowning in the fountain of youth. It's such an interesting lyric to me. I love yeah, it so much. Yeah, th- you can think about that one for a while, eh? Yeah. Because that could mean so many things. You could take it at face value, or you could kind of delve in just... Fuck, you see, you see that guy at the club. The guy's in his 50s. He's the silver-haired fox. He's going, ha-ha, hey, hey, to a girl. She doesn't want to see him at all. Yeah. But you see that guy, and you go, ah, oh, fuck, don't be that guy. Yeah. That guy is... That guy's the physical representation of drowning in the fountain of youth. You become there's a that. parody of yourself. Yeah, you, you, you can think about it like that socially, but
1: then there's, there's the metaphor about it too, like the fact that you'd, the fountain of youth typically would grant eternal life. It's the, that very eternal life is going to end up drowning you. It's, exactly. it's a
2: beautiful image, you know, like... Uh, what you're striving for, ultimately killing you. Yeah. That's true to anything in life. we were talking lyrics. If we're going to talk lyrics,
1: we might as well start talking about prime. Royce the Five Nine and DJ Premier collaborated in 2014. And they made one of my favorite hip-hop records. Royce the Five Nine, of course, I have heard of him a long time ago. He's worked with Eminem back on Slim Shady LP. Yeah, way back Bad in. Bad Meets day. Evil. They collaborated on the Bad Meets Evil Hella Sequel album. And now Royce the Five Nine is doing a lot with Slaughterhouse, which is his hip-hop group, and he's done this album couple years well, now it's three years ago, time flies. Jesus. With DJ Premier. DJ Premier's worked with all the big guys in hip hop. He's worked fucking Big L, Biggie, Tupac. He's been around He's Big show. He's yeah, when when DJ Premier releases, everybody listens. Mm. So the fact that he uh collaborated with one of my favorite rappers, I was interested right from when I heard about the idea. And and
0: Steve actually told us about it, right? That's he was right. like, yo, I, I found this out, I just ordered it. And uh, it's this, and we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, "What? Like, there's this album out that we haven't heard of, and it's with Royce to Five Nine and DJ Premier. What are we waiting for? Like,
1: well, yeah, and I, I feel like these days a hip hop album with actual lyrical depth kind of stands out like a sore thumb. What makes Prime fantastic? I, I mean, aside from who's on it, old school but not too old school beats from DJ Premier that allow Royce to just kind of have this flow where he doesn't need to stay within the bars. Okay. He kind of just goes from bar to bar and like, the, if you can, if you can color code the rhymes, you'll see like multiple rhymes at the beginning and the ends of the sentences. Sometimes he'll skip lines and he has these weird intricate combos of how he pronounces things and what he, what he does on the mic.
2: If you really want to get into it, there's a, there's a lot there. It's very smart. Is this a classic approach to hip hop in the sense of, um, how you would have Quest Love? Playing that sample, the roots, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just that that sample drum beat keeps it consistent. No, it's not it's it's not so much like the roots.
1: What could I do you know any madlib? There's kind of a grittier jazz element to it. What DJ Premier does on Prime is much cleaner. Okay. Like boom, slap. Kinda like big big bass, very punctuated timing, and it it,
2: it he's still creative, like there's a lot there's a lot to his okay, bass. So it's it's the, not so, the, so much it's not so much grooving. In yes. the sense of just, like, the beat. It's less jazzy than, than it's something like front, a track It's in your rest. face. Yes. And the lyrics are jumping over that. Vibe. Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: We're big hip-hop fans, right? I mean, well, me and you are. Maybe Johnny, not so much.
2: I'm, I'm getting into it. I'm dipping my toe every now and then. I mean, hang now. out with us long enough. For we'll the, he us, won't he, break you. He brought us a hip-hop record. That's I, true. Would it's, it be considered a hip-hop... You know what? This was back when... I won't reveal the name yet. Build up the suspense here. This was back when? This was back when they were a hip hop group. That's right. When the instrumentation was actually good. Really good. They yeah. were sampling. I'm doing a left turn throwaway here. All the way back to 2003, which is a weird sentence to say. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, time's flying. Yeah. Ella Funk from the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Yes. You, you're totally right to say that. They used to be good. Well, no I don't want. I, I wanted to. Say, I wanted to say they
1: used to be good, but I mean, Funk is a good album, good album. They me. used to be a re- much more kind of like a rappers hip hop group. Oh, no, you I've know, like uh, an OG kind
2: of like they were a, a, yeah. a, a rap group. When I say when I say used to be good, I mean Elefunk, I I love Funk From them, I'm saying the shit. The I got a feeling. No, yeah. you don't. You don't. You have a paycheck and a mortgage. <laughs> Stock trying to relate. I'm so upset with where Black Eyed Peas went. I think they should have never picked up lasers. I totally agree. Honestly, oh, like I, I was ever ca- since the Super Bowl halftime show where Slash came out with a fucking disco ball top hat, I tapped out emotionally. I was like, I'm done with you that. You know, I'm very, I'm very
1: happy I, was- I forgot about that. I, I don't well, remember it. I'm sorry
2: it. for reminding <laughs> you. I didn't even watch it, so that's okay. So this album is back when they still had something to really offer. And to this day, I'll always say that if Black Eyed Peas, tomorrow, announced a a tour, a run of shows, playing like Elephant. Al- like an album anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Like an album anniversary where they did Elephant, followed by a couple of tracks from Monkey Business. And if you're a real fan, maybe some of the stuff before it. Before Elephant, they were really good. Before Fergie came on board. Well, that show, though, that tour would sell out in half the time. A new tour would. Dude, there was four monster singles on that album.
1: You, it basically took over that whole 2003, 2004 year. Absolutely, every party you were at, it was "Let's Get It Started." And I don't know how many fucking shots I had to that song.
2: First of all, (laughs) let's get it started. That's the radio nice version. It's It's "Let's Get Retarded." Mm. Where listening back, like, hey man. I know for sure. Relax. I know it's easily the most offense in the best way possible. It's so funny yeah. to listen to now, but just thinking of trying to get that song on the radio today, I, I would love to watch that meeting. I would love to watch people pitch that to a radio yeah. tracker. So
0: we've got a song about us getting really fucked up. I want you to put this on the radio. But even aside from that, there are lyrics
2: like "Let's get ignorant," which means very stupid. Yeah. Let's get hectic. Let's get retarded pop your head like epilepsy. like I know just, the
1: PC police must fuck. have been all over yeah. that. Because I mean, eventually the radio edit was let's get it started.
0: Yeah, but they
2: just, they, they, no holes barred, just, let's just offend every demographic. Well, you're really to, if you're going to do it,
0: you just offend everybody at once and then that's it. You're done with it. I love
2: it because it's so, it's one of those things that if you're going to be outrageous, you, it's all about commitment. You really have to commit to what you're doing. Yeah, They did on this song and this album in full. And it's just so good. If you're driving on a road trip and you put this album on, every single person in your car is gonna love it. It's a feel good album, and I mean, I always knew the singles. I mean, everybody knows the singles.
1: But yeah. I listened to the album start to finish. It's actually really good. The like the what I thought was filler tracks, they no, actually came out. Yeah, yeah, good it's, stuff. Man. It's good songwriting, man. There's some good
2: there's stuff. Some funky shit, Ben. The, the, some really good rapping. They have that song. Uh, I think it's Holiday, which it's. In the instrumental, it's all samples from, uh, it's a song from the JBs, which is also pretty much all of Public Enemy's first album was samples from built the- off of samples from this one song. And they basically rapped over that song. Cool. And it, it's incredible. It's, yeah. just, it's so awesome. Yeah, it just feels so good. No, yeah, it's, it's a feel good. And then at the end of this, they have Where's the Love? And then after Where's the Love? They have a song, they have Anxiety, which is a song with Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach no singing shit. about wanting to kill yourself. Wow. Like, I, I, I hadn't had to paid too much attention yeah. to the lyrics, but that's crazy. The moods on this album are unreal. Yeah. Unreal. It's And you know what? Like I said, this is another personality test. Put on <laughs> Elephant, any track from it, and whoever's not moving their head around you, Cut that person out of your life because they're not offering. you anything. I think any you'll right. have a much bigger success with Elephant than the Mars Volta man. Well, yeah, you know, Mars Volta, is marriage material. Yeah, Elephant is whether or not I can ever. The general. I think
0: <laughs> it, it's pretty interesting that most of the albums we talked about today, I, I would feel confident throwing on 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 vinyl and just being like, "Hey, listen to this. I bet you you're gonna like it." And even if someone has never heard the albums before that that we talked about today, I think they they would stop and be like. Shit, this isn't this isn't bad at all. Even if you didn't like that genre of music, absolutely. So I, I think, think that's that all all of our on taps are really on theme. In terms, I would of I would personally
1: recommend either even any one of your choices. Yeah, I do. I, I like all the albums we spoke about, and yeah, I think it
0: was a hard choice trying to trying to come to terms with uh, what we were going to talk about today, because there's so many other albums that we're going to cover in the future that uh, could make the list. In a minute, we're going to play for you a Seven Day
1: Sun song. Oh, I yeah. say the new Very single. True. They got a video out. Uh, go check it out; it's hilarious. If you want to see Johnny get all beat up and look yeah, like I mean, a nerd, the, that's, how, <laughs>
2: that's where you gotta go. The band, the band's good, but their drummer's a douchebag.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I hate the guy. Johnny, you want to tell them where they can find any info about uh, Seven Day Suns? You want to let them know yeah, any upcoming? Sure. Uh,
2: well, all right. Well, for those who are listening, uh, I am from a band called Seven Day Suns. We're based out of Montreal. If you're into bands, uh the likes of Kings of Leon, City and Color, um we kinda have influences from all over the place, STP Fuck, you name it. I think yeah, I can see we just, you
1: know, every one of those acts I can see. There's a lot ones. of different
2: yeah. uh a lot of different things coming together there, but we do have this new song, uh I say, which we had a lot of fun. Uh, filming the video for we recorded it with Brian Monkarts, he's currently working with Our Lady Peace. Looks great, man! Yeah, he killed it. It was a really, really fun, uh, really fun experience. We had uh, our buddy uh, Jeff, he's touring with The Trues when they were recently opening up for Offspring. He uh, he came in and led some keys down. Which, if ever you feel like you're a competent musician, bring in a real session player. And you'll just go home and practice. Yeah. It, was, it was a mind-blowing experience just to see this guy work. But uh, it was a lot of fun doing. Uh, you could find us at Facebook uh, slash 7 Day Sons, 7 Day Sons on Twitter, Instagram. Yo, I listened
1: to your, album, your EP on Spotify as well.
2: There you go. We're available. We can be found on all uh, social media outlets, all online music distribution outlets, Apple Music, Spotify. You know, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, take your pick, choose your poison, and uh, you can find us there. That's Seven Day Suns, and this is our single I Say. Hope you enjoy it. Oh, and if you do enjoy it, we're going to be re- releasing a, a series of covers uh, filmed live in studio. We're still ironing out the details as to which ones, but we always choose ones that we think people are gonna resonate with and have a lot of fun listening to. Oh, I love the last sessions you did. Yeah, last ones we chose uh Macy Gray, uh I try. Yeah. And everybody wants to rule the world from Tears of Fears. And it was a lot <laughs> One of, of my fun. Favorite tracks. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, uh Messing around with those and hopefully not butchering them too much.
1: No, it sounded great,
2: man.
0: Honestly, (laughs) even even
1: the the video production, too. It's super entertaining to watch.
0: Johnny, thanks a lot for coming to the podcast today. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was, and uh, we got to hear some great fucking music. It went smooth, man. First time we tried this kind of thing, I think
1: this is kind of a winning formula. We're going to see.
0: It feels good to be back. It feels good to be back listening to some records, talking about the shit we love, playing music. Uh, everything so if you guys want to check us out on Facebook, you can find us at the DBTH guys or you can shoot us an email at the DBTH at gmail.com. We also have a nice new Instagram account that Dre's been populating. Check out DBTH guys on Instagram. That's a good way to keep up to date actually. I've kind
1: of become a Instagram prostitute. I'm oh. all over that shit dude What kind of pictures are you sharing? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just fine follow- mostly just and I'm following-, following
2: you
0: right away. <laughs>
1: Most importantly, (laughs) remember everybody,
0: make make some some time time for music. It's fucking important.